Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. This is episode 41. We're back with some unfortunate news from the hardwood. Two back-to-back losses by the Red Raiders. Um, First to UCF on the road, which is a tough one to stomach, but especially tough to deal with was getting hammered at home by Texas. We're going to focus primarily on that Texas loss. We will talk a little bit about what was going on with UCF, uh, but we're not going to dwell on that as much. But the Texas loss, I think, was a lot more... Uh, disappointing for any number of reasons, both the stakes of the game in general being the last time the two teams are going to play in Lubbock, almost certainly, and just the the, the sheer disappointment of the showing overall. Um, after that, we're going to chat about some odds and ends in tech sports, maybe a bit about baseball, some of the other tech-related news, some combine news that's come up, some high odds and ends. Texas Tech basketball, of course, has Gardner Webb and on the diamond, or excuse me, baseball has Gardner Webb on the diamond. So we're not going to do a true series preview for that. We will talk a bit about some of the rotation changes we've seen, and then basketball has West Virginia. And I'll be frank, this is the first time and maybe ever that like you can just ignore West Virginia. If Tech loses this game, you, <laughs> I, I don't know what to think of that, but I, I can't even contemplate that happening at the moment. So we will be bouncing around and keeping this episode more on superficial things, more on high-level issues with basketball and baseball, um, and just kind of cleaning up as we get ready for baseball to really get rolling next week with conference play and basketball, starting to look to transition to hopefully knock on wood. There's not a dramatic collapse here to the NCAA tournament. But first, let's start with the UCF loss. Like I said, we won't dwell on this a ton, but Joe, I want to get your thoughts here. You went to Orlando for the first time in program history, um, and you drop to a bad UCF team. This is the third-worst team in conference, just above, I think, Oklahoma State and West Virginia in, the, in conference standings. Um, we knew UCF was scrappy. They played a lot of teams close. They had beaten Kansas at home. But it was unfortunate that Tech really did not play well in this game. It kind of got handled by the Golden Knights. Um, we're just going to do one quick big impression from watching this one. How concerned were you that even a place like Orlando was just too much to get the dub on the road? It was concerning enough just knowing the fact that whenever we don't have Warren Washington on the court, we're not the same team. It's just it's very hard. It's just a night and day difference between the the – the disparity of how well this offense runs and how this defense is in rotations and being able to protect the rim when we have them and when we don't. And I know Warren did play in this game for a very small amount of time. He, he wasn't right. I still think they put him back just a little bit too prematurely, but I also kind of feel that they kind of put a whole lot on this game that said, oh, we need to kind of get this one, solidify our spot in, in the NCAA tournament. You need at least one to two more wins to go ahead and seal that. And so they threw him out there. I think they thought he was good to go, but, I mean, he didn't look right from the start. And we just kind of hope and pray that it's nothing significant and he's able to return at least to finish the rest of the season 
before they go into the Big 12 um, tournament and then hopefully into the NCAA tournament. But it's just really tough to watch this team try to try to run an offense whenever, you know, you're doing the same thing that happens here whenever you're cruising down a, a Lubbock road and you hit a, a pothole and you just go completely flat. It's just it's embarrassing. I know a lot of players are in slumps. Pop, I swear. I mean, I mean this with all the respect in the world, but man, if he could just find his his shot, I would at least remotely close to his shot. It just I don't know if it's something mentally or not, man, but it's just it's very very difficult to watch him and these wolves because he's getting some damn good looks and they're just not coming close. So, it's it's it was discouraging and you know with the texas game kind of looming it could have also been hey we're kind of looking forward to that next game and this is the outcome you got bullied around you got pushed around and we'll get into the texas game and as i could i would assume that most people watched or heard about what texas did to us but we'll touch base on that in a minute but it was very discouraging after that loss in um, central florida yeah, I think, and when you start to, with the real concern with UCF is like you're, you you sandwich um, a couple of blowouts around that that TCU win, and in a vacuum, it doesn't look great, right? Like you just got thoroughly outplayed by UCF, especially in that second half, and the, the, it's just kind of hard to to watch how badly they were playing in this game. But you know, on the flip side of this is like winning on the road in the Big Twelve anywhere is just a tough is a tough tough thing to do. Most of the time, there there's only like one or two games you can really count on. Going to West Virginia, going to Oklahoma State right now are the two that like you should win those games, hell or high water. But you know, UCF had beaten people at home. It's a, it's it's not easy to go on the road. It's a new environment for the program. Uh, but yeah, it is it is really telling how much worse this team is without Warren Washington, which isn't hard to understand, right? After Cambridge went down, you knew Warren Washington was going to become a critical cog to whatever this team was going to do. Um, and this has coincided with, as you mentioned, just unbelievably bad shooting from your starting guards, um, especially Pop Isaacs, who could not throw it in the ocean if he tried. I mean, it's just been horrific compared to what he used to be as a shooter. Um, and that paired up really showed up against UCF. That's how bad teams beat you. You know, you play teams that aren't as good as you. How do they beat you? Things like that. You know, just multiple things going wrong uh, uh, kind of steamroll you in this one. But, you know, in a vacuum, that loss wouldn't have meant much if you had been able to turn it around at home against Texas. But the result in this game was just unbelievably ugly. Texas dominated this game from the start. Tech was never really actually in the game. Trailed by 24 at the half. Ended up losing by 12 with some garbage time points to kind of even out the score a little bit. The game got competitive towards the end. But at that point, Texas's lead was significant enough that there was just too little too late. Um, we'll touch on some of the things that happened in this game that kind of sparked that uh, some of the more interesting moments on and off the court. But let's start first by talking about the guard play. Look, as much as I hop on, harp on Pop Isaacs, and the reason I do is he's a high-volume shooter. He was 2-for-8 from 3 in this game, 5-for-18 overall for 17 points. That's just not getting it done with that kind of shooting. But Joe Toussaint was equally as bad in this game, 3-for-10 from the field. Um, he had three turnovers, only had – he had five assists, but with three turnovers and three for ten for the field, you're just not getting it done as your starting guard. Both Pop and Toussaint played better in the second half. Neither one looked like they belonged on the court in the first. In fact, I really wanted Pop to get benched in the first half. Just the, his decision-making was god-awful. He did settle back into the game a bit and let it come to him, which is where I think pretty much all of his points came from. I think of his 17-14 came in the second half. So all of it came late when he let the game come to him a bit more. But neither guard is holding up their end of the bargain. And for your two focal points, it's tough to see. Joe, let's dig in here. You know, A lot of what's going wrong for Tech is the fact that you don't have any interior presence about Warren Washington. But how much is it killing this team that neither Pop nor Toussaint are really getting it going in any conceivable way? It's hurting it because you could manage one of them being off. And when Pop was on, Joe was kind of not Joe. And when Joe's on, Pop's off. You could kind of you could kind of work your way around that. But when you have collectively your both starting guards 
for the game. They go eight for 28 from the field and two from 10 beyond the arc, even though Tucson is not really known for his three point shooting, but that's still pretty terrible on in that regard. It's, it's tough to overcome too bad guard play and then missing your big where he could also be a facilitator with passing looking around the court, getting the ball to where it needs to get to. And then that's when Pop and Joe are, are at their best when you have that presence there. And when that presence is eliminated, now you have to elevate your own game. And when their games do, they just cap off or they have not been anywhere remotely close to what we've been accustomed to seeing, it's going to it's going to drag everything down. And then you have your Darian Williams. I mean, even for that, for that, he's also been kind of on on the slump from that Kansas game. It's kind of trended down in the wrong ways from that Kansas game, not saying that he's playing bad or anything, but if you're just, and it's a really tough comparison because, you know, you don't get any better than what he did against Kansas, but he hasn't been even playing up to subpar closer to, to that. So now you're having some of your, your other role player guys that were contributing heavy, not really being able to do as much either. So it's a trickle down effect. It help it hurts everybody involved whenever your guard play is is down. And the, these are the kinds of things that happen. What happened against Texas. And I mean if you shot lights out against Texas, I mean, I still think it's a very tough game to win considering what kind of ball game Texas played. And that's just being honest. I was there at the game and I I hate Texas. There's I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I don't care for them. I don't like them as a program. It's just I don't like them. But, I mean, from what I saw on the court, you just got outplayed and outcoached on every single level in this game. And it starts with guard play. If you can't – if your two guys there aren't together, man, it's very, very tough in this league to even be competitive. Yeah, this is a guard-driven league. It always has been. Um, the, the best Big 12 teams have had the best guard play. That's been true for everyone. It's been especially true for Tech. Your best teams were the ones that had the best focal point guards. Um, Jared Culver, Culver, Keenan Evans, you know, those guys carried those two, your two most successful teams in program history. Um, and right now your guards just aren't getting it done. And it's especially hard to deal with because, like, they missed open looks, and then they took bad looks. I was looking into this last three games. Pop Isaacs is, I believe the number is now three for 21 from beyond the arc. But the fact that he's taken 21 threes is part of the problem. That's 21 possessions that Tech almost certainly lost, 85% of them because you can't rebound. Right? Like, there's nobody following up these shots. He's missing ugly. His shot looks horrible. He's not making good decisions with the ball. And Joe Toussaint is continuing this really frustrating habit of just sprinting into the center of defenses, falling over, falling all over himself, completely out of control, no backup plan, taking ill-advised, contested mid-range step-backs, just all this stuff that, like, you cannot have happen with your two best, your two best weapons offensively. Um and yeah, you mentioned Williams is. Uh, you mentioned some of the other struggles. Williams has had some not great performances. Um, Kerwin Walton continues to be a guy who, like, I think should be more assertive with a shot, but just isn't getting many looks and you know not get, taking many opportunities. And then obviously, you know, you still get you're getting nothing from your bench at all. I mean, just just absolutely nothing from your bench. And we knew that going in, like with all the injuries, everything going on, the bench was never going to be a strong point. But other than McMillan, who was basically your his really is just your starter B over Jennings. Um, you, there's just nothing off the bench. Lamar Washington's unplayable. Uh, uh, the, the the fight in Finn is he's just too young. And Lindsey, I, I I mean like I I don't even know what we're supposed to do with Lindsey. He he literally is not on the court ever long enough to evaluate him. So you know it's just this team is just what it's the starting five plus McMillan and that's it. And hopefully we get Warren Washington can get back to seven. Um, kind of seven in the rotation, Robert Jennings gets shunted down a bit more since he's just not very effective either in any way. Um, I mean, it's just right now, I just, I think we just have to call a spade a spade. This team sucks. They fucking suck. Like they're, they're bad right now. This is the last two games. They've looked like a crappy basketball team. They're not shooting the ball. Well, they don't defend particularly well. They can't rebound. They don't protect the ball like that. Ha- this has to stop. This team has played hard all year. 
Um, but the last, I think, four real games, you know, you, you just look like crap 90% of the time. And that, that's just not going to get it done as you look to close it. Fortunately, this is a weaker part of the schedule. You should be able to get past West Virginia, Oklahoma State without trouble. Win those two, you're in the NCAA tournament guaranteed. There's no doubt at all that that's true. Um, but you drop those two, and I don't think it happens. You know, I don't think you're going to beat Baylor. I just don't. You just have not proven that you have enough left in the tank to do it. Um, especially if Warren Washington's injury proves to be one that keeps him out for the rest of the season. We hopefully will get him back soon. Without him, it's just going to be trouble. Um, I want to talk about something, though. You mentioned a point that I wanted to get to. I thought Grant McCaslin has done a fantastic job most of this year, and he's had to manage a lot of roster trouble. Um, And I think it's certainly true that if Tech makes the NCAA tournament with 21 wins and wins a game in the tournament, I think that it's fair to say that you're probably ahead of schedule in terms of the Grant McCaslin era. But I want to highlight this. Rodney Terry's Texas team has been fucking underachieving like nobody's business. They are the biggest letdown in the nation, in my perspective, besides maybe Indiana. Um, But the the Longhorns are just not a good basketball team and have not been a great one all year. But in this game, in this matchup that mattered so much to Tech with all these fan support behind it, it looked like Grant McCaslin did not have both his team focused they didn't look ready to play. There was no plan A or B. He looked completely overwhelmed by the moment. I want to get your thoughts on this, Joe, because I thought this was the worst coaching I've seen in a while from a Tech head coach, and it was the first time all season I wondered, did I, I had any second thoughts about McCaslin because this one mattered, and they just didn't look at all ready for it. What are your thoughts here, Joe? I, I find it very similar to the way the football team ended in Austin um, this last season in the, in the fall just came out completely, completely unprepared. Looked like they didn't belong on the same field, same court. It it's, it's really telling. And I've, I know coach McCaslin and we've had conversations and things like that. This is the guy for the job, but this, this particular, and he owned it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on him too I'm not going to harp on him any because, you know, he took ownership of what took place. He said, I didn't have the team ready. Um, the coaches didn't have them ready. We weren't ready for this game, given the magnitude of what this game was. You had you had um, the students camping out for almost damn near a week out there. And then, then for this product to be put out on that court, it was – I would have hated to have – sat outside all that time just to watch that. I mean, it was pretty tough to watch from where I was watching, but this I'm, it's just tough to see your team that, you know, is way better than what they showed and what they put out on the court be on two completely different islands, not remotely close to each other. I just, I just wish this, I'm not going to blame the coaching staff. Like I said, they're everybody, everybody in the program itself is taking an L here in preparation, mental, mentally ready for this game. It was, like I said, it is just tough to see coach McCaslin struggle like that. And like I said, it's, it's just tough. Uh, there's no other way of putting it. I'm not putting it on him because like I said, he took ownership of it straight after the game. And I I know he was under immense pressure for this game because this is the last time you're playing the Longhorns in basketball, most likely ever. And you want to go out sending them out the right way. The crowd was hype. Everybody, like all the all the stars had almost completely aligned for this for this basketball team. And for you to just, you know, like a like a, a toddler learning how to walk, just trip and just land completely on your face. It's, it was, it was embarrassing on so many levels. Um, and I, I believe Red Raider nation expected more out of it. And I know they were let down a whole lot, but I, I do appreciate coach McCaslin, you know, taking ownership of what took place and, you know, moving on to the next and we're, <coughs> excuse me, and we're going to get better. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, there's just no words for it that can really sum it up better than they just weren't ready. I mean, like, I, I don't know how that happens, um, but they weren't. They, they were not mentally into the game. I saw some clips, people talking about, like, the team looked out of sorts from the shoot-around in. 
and that they never felt like they really belonged in that gym. Um, I did appreciate Coach McCaslin talking after the game about like the, the, the ownership of both what the game means to lose in that manner, to lose at all to Texas, what it means to play in that game, to understand the gravity of it. But it does feel a lot like the kind of the Joey McGuire era so far at Tech, where like there have just been games where like, how on God's green earth were you not ready to play Baylor and the McGuire first one, Texas this year um, for McCaslin? Obviously, this one is probably the biggest example where it's just like, I, I don't understand how this happens. There, there's just no way this isn't circled on your calendar from the jump. There's no way the team should be anything other than ready to go and rearing to play. So I don't know what's going on off the court, but that's concerning to me. Um, it's the only time all year I've had pause about like McCaslin's ability as a coach because I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you're not motivated and ready to go for this one. I just don't get it. Obviously, you don't flush the baby down with the bathwater because one game went the other way. And he's, I, like I said, you can still maintain your status of being above ahead of schedule. But it was a frustrating setback to what has been, you know, a year marred by injury, but one that has been overall very positive for the program to take steps forward. So hopefully they can shake off the momentum. Um, now let's get to some of the things that happened in this game where we're going to kind of wind down our talk about Texas and start moving around. But I do want to talk about some of the incidents that happened both from the on the court and off of it. The first being, of course, the moment that really sparked kind of I thought might potentially lose control of the environment. Um, the officiating in this game was just bad. It was god awful. The officials were shitty at their jobs. It's typical Big 12 crap, no control over the game. And then they lost control. Playing question that I think everybody knows at this point, Brock Cunningham sees um, the ball heading towards the sideline. Rather than play the ball, he just body checks a tech player into the video board. Um, it, it was a, it was one of the dirtiest hits you can you can see in basketball. I think the only worse examples are you see those clips of guys trying to undercut somebody during a dunk on purpose to like knock their legs out. Um, I mean, like look, like there there's no question at all. He lowered the shoulder. He was trying to commit. Not just a pretty serious foul, but he was trying to injure a kid. He was trying to knock him out. Like that, that was a bad, egregious moment in the game. I um, mean, an especially dumb thing to do at a moment where like you're blowing out an opposing team. And in fact, this game got dicier for Texas from this from that point on. The Red Raiders just did not have enough steam to to pull off a night in which Texas really shot the ball and like well above their norm. Um, which was already going to be tough to overcome. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a minute, Joe. This led to some wild shenanigans in the crowd, students throwing things at Brock Purdy, um, the fuck UT chance. A uh, uh, student was actually tossed and carried out by, in fact, Tony Bradford was involved in that situation, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, well, let's talk about this for a minute, the environment of it all. You were there. You would have had the best uh, the feel for what was actually going on in the venue of our team. What did you think during this moment? What was going on in that crowd as that happened? I had a pretty damn clear view of the actual, the whole play happening where Brock checked um, Darian Williams there, right there in front of the announcers for ESPN and um, a De- um, Dusty Womble as well. He's the, His courtside tickets are right there. So that was all in his lap, and that was as dirty as a hit as you could I mean, it's just it's it's a crack back block in football happening on a basketball court. Um, If it wasn't for some of those people that were there and that particular stand for the announcers, he would have it would have been bad, bad. Like he it was just a vicious hit, um, completely blatant. And, you know, he was deserving of what was given the flagrant to kicked out of the game. That's that's where you wish it would have ended. But given the circumstances of the game and how the game had been playing and and had been played all the way up until that point, now that was the icing on the top of the cake there to that kind of pushed everybody completely over edge, including this, the mostly out of the student section, which let's be frank here. I mean, I'm not a big fan on telling people how to, fan but there's a line that has to be drawn somewhere there at the top that says hey we don't we'll 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 put it towards this threshold but we're never going to go over it i saw vapes i saw water bottles i saw popcorn um i actually spoke to a tech pom-pom cheerleader 
at my work the day after and where the pom-pom squad is located on the basketball court is right between the student section and the Texas bench. And she was in ground zero. Um, she said she heard a lot of things. They had to have their own security escort them out of the game whenever the game finally ended. Um, of just it was just a terrible look, you know. Yes, I get it. I was I was as pissed off watching the game as the next guy next to me, and then my wife next to me. We were mad that this our date night that we got to spend together for the first time. We went and chose this basketball game thinking it was going to be a good time. And that's not discrediting the good time we had. We had a great time. I loved every minute spending with her because we don't get to do that often. But, you know, the game itself, we would really wish that Tech would have put out more of an effort and fight in this game. And from the student section doing what they did, the FUT chance, that was that was from the rip. That was happening from the start. That was almost to be expected. But the fight in the stands, the I believe that kid. I'm this is clearly speculation from what I've heard is he threw a vape and it hit the strength and conditioning coach of Texas in the head. And then somebody called him out in the student section. He started fighting with that kid, and then every everything else kind of played out on TV where he was met by a bunch of security, including Mr. Mayor himself, Tony Bradford, and they picked him up and escorted him out he wasn't on his feet they picked him up he started an fut chant as he was going up the stairs being carried out it's just not a good look coach mccaslin had to address the student section these are these are all bad looks you don't want this kind of to yes you're getting your ass kicked right if you get your ass kicked take it there's nothing you could do about it. I mean, there is, but you just weren't prepared for it. So this is essentially what, what's going on. You don't win every every game. That's basketball. That's any sports as, as good or as bad. You're, you're not going to win them all. Yes, there's a lot of, like I said, things that kind of led to this whole situation happening. But as a tech fan, you know, it wasn't a good look. I didn't really appreciate all the things that were being thrown out there. It'd be like water bottle and then it would stop and then water bottle, water bottle, water bottle, vape. You know, it's just everything. Um, just not a good look. Uh, I enjoyed the environment of the game all the way up until that point. And then after that certain situation, then as the game resumed, then you could start seeing the student section um dwindled down starting in in the upper levels and then they started down in the lower levels and then it ultimately before the the games end it was pretty pretty dry in the student section so just not a good look i didn't i i was embarrassed um for tech as a whole just we're better than that um so that's pretty much from my vantage point everything that i had seen so I was watching this and t- tweeting this alongside um, was as well as Kendall was. And the thought process I had was just um, look like I'm the kind of guy that has always said, like, it is very obvious to fans where the line is. And if you choose to cross it as a spectator, like, don't be shocked by the outcome. Um, you know, like it's, it's not you shouldn't throw things on the court, blah, blah, blah. And obviously I, I'm the kind of guy like as the, the, the language of it all. Some people get mad at the fuck chance, like fuck whoever, or whatever chance, but it, it, they, those in particular don't bother me. Um, I will say this from my perspective, right? Like Brock Cunningham took a shot at a tech student, right? Like that, that, that's what happened. You know, the guy on the court who's trying to play basketball, Brock Cunningham went out to injure him. Um, and anybody, what I think is the funniest thing to come out of this to me is like Texas fans have been on the highest horse about like class and action. These have been getting their ass kicked up and down the big 12 for years and having to take a lot of this punishment. Um, and they've been the biggest harpers about, you know, behavior and winning the right way. And I mean, Rodney Terry, like stopping UCF to talk about the horns down. And then Brock Cunningham does something that like I thought was one of the dirtiest plays I'd seen and definitely the dirtiest play in the big 12 this year. 
And uh, the, the response from Texas fan is, he's a Longhorn legend. Look at him. It's like, well, motherfucker, he's overseen one of the losingest periods to Tech in the history of Texas Tech athletics. So I don't know why that's to be celebrated on face value. If I was a Texas fan, I want his ass gone. because He's been terrible for him. He's just been a bad luck charm when they play Tech. He's, I think since he's been there, they're 4-9. He's 4-7 and seven when he's actually on the court. Um, it's just, just awful luck for them. But uh, look, like I, I'll, I'll say it now and I'll say it again with regards to like what happened in the aftermath. I never give a shit what tech fans look like to other fans. I don't care. I don't care when ESPN gets on a soapbox about fan behavior. I don't care. I don't know if you remember this, but several years ago there was the fuck Trey Young chance. Um, obviously, for those of you who don't know, the backstory on that was, of course, that Trey Young's dad played for tech. The thought was he would end up going to um, Texas Tech ended up going in Oklahoma, which isn't shocking. He went to Norman North. They live there. So anybody was shocked by that, whatever. Um, obviously, it worked out, I think, for all parties that that didn't end up happening. But, you know, they, you had ESPN afterwards, like, lecturing Tech students in, in, uh, um, from their stadium, uh, from their studio about, like, how we should act towards that. And then there was, uh, you know, Kansas fans a few weeks in that game who weren't happy about the chance to McCuller and all this stuff. It's just like, I don't care. I'll just, I'll just put it out. I'm never embarrassed. I'm never ashamed. I'm never bothered when other fans don't like tech fans. I personally, and this is my two cents on the matter, there is a line that spectators shouldn't cross. You should never try to hurt players. You should never use language that you know isn't acceptable. Things that you wouldn't do in your everyday life you shouldn't be doing in, in the stadium. But if, if, if it push comes to shove, it's, it's us versus them, and I don't give a shit about that. You know, like I – my. Maybe it's part of how I was raised, but my dad grew up during, you know, a really bad period for tech athletics. But that kind of the mentality he had and his buddies had when they were students was just, you know, if we can't beat your ass on the field, we might as well do it in the stands. So I, I don't care. I just don't care. I hope somebody hit Brock Cunningham. That's the only thing I'm going to say about that. And I, I just don't care what we look like for, from an outside perspective because people are never going to like us. Like, I think pe- people are under this impression that if we had handled that moment as a fan base well, we're going to get accommodations from someone. Of course we're not. They're never going to change their opinion. You will never win over anyone who did not go to Texas Tech about the validity of Lubbock, about the passion of the students, of the, the stadium, of the whatever. So when bad things happen, when bad actors do bad things, here's my thought. Stadium security did its job. McCaslin did his job. It's, it's over with. I don't give a shit what we look like in the aftermath. I just don't. I can never be bothered by it because, like, you lost this game badly. That's what I'm embarrassed about. I'm embarrassed that we got our ass beat on the court. I don't care what the, a couple of drunk students did. I just don't. I didn't care when Tech rushed the field a few years ago in UT in football and that kid hit a player. Punish who's responsible and move on. I don't – I just – I can't get it up for, like, this idea that I am supposed to – be concerned what one or three of 15,000 Texas Tech fans are up to. Every fan base has problems. Every fan base is hated by everybody else's fan base. The only ones who get along with everyone are Nebraska, and I don't want to be a Nebraska Cornhusker for like 9,000 different reasons. So that's always my two cents on it. I agree. You know, obviously the optics of it aren't great. I just like me personally don't care. Because I'm never going to be ashamed of where I went to school or how our students act or whatever. Because I, I was there. I went through it. I loved it. The people who didn't and don't are never going to change their minds. Um, so, you know, that, that the event with Texas, you know, until this series is officially done in all sports, this is going to continue to be a thing. You know, this is obviously an extremely hotly contested rivalry now more than ever, um, there's a lot more, I think, real hate involved than there ever has been. So hopefully security continues to do its job. You punish bad actors and you move on. Um, right. And and I, to be in the last thing on that, at least from what I from what I saw itself, is that that could have that whole situation could have turned out a hundred times worse. Because what if Darian went after Brock and it turned into an actual altercation on the court right there, like then you would have had to have security and everybody deal with that situation while this other shit that was going on with the stand. So or going on in the stand. So who knows how bad it could have got. It just, like I said, they stopped it. Everybody who got involved, got involved at the right amount of time, but it could have been that entire situation could have 
been a totally different story had um, other players been involved with that particular situation. Yeah, I just like I and I think that's the thing, right? Like, you know, it, it is the story of the day that like tech didn't retaliate. Of course, it's not. It's what did the drunk college students do? And you're just you're never going to win. ESPN doesn't like tech, right? Because like ESPN he wants to focus on the big blue blood brands and they don't they think of us as less, right? Like Texas fans are never going to like us. If you have thought if there is a tech fan out here who thinks that I'm lumping Kirby Hokut in this. They do not view us as equal, and a lot of them barely view us as people. It's an arrogance that you're never going to change. So, you know, if bad things happen, you deal with the situation as it occurs and punish those responsible, and then you move on. And I don't care if the fan base that large gets a bad reputation because, you know what, some of the hardest places to play are places like Try to go to LSU, right? Like, those people are awful. They're horrendously awful. Do you want to go play at LSU at night with 80,000 Tiger fans screaming at you? Of course you don't, right? Is anybody really afraid to go to Nebraska? No. God, no. They love going to Nebraska. Everybody loves going to Nebraska. Is anybody afraid to go to BYU? No. No. They're the nicest fans on the planet. And granted, I've heard it's a fantastic venue for watching sports, but it's not intimidating because they're nice and everyone thinks they're nice. It and would be like the equi- it. it would be like the equivalent of like going to the just naming them just because I I they cheered or they booed for Santa Claus they cheered when a uh, player broke his neck and that'd be like going to Philadelphia and watching the Eagles play as uh, as an opponent you know yeah and like here's the thing right like if Philadelphia launched like a huge sportsmanship movement right now they're like we're gonna clean up our act. Do you think anybody would ever forget that these things happened or changed <laughs> <No>. their mind? <laughs> I wouldn't buy that. I think that'd be a fucking trap, to be completely honest. So, and that's the no. thing, right? Like, if we, from now on, if tech fans signed one of those stupid-ass honor pledges, like, on their way into the stadium, you still wouldn't have these people like us. You are who you are, and we don't have to be liked by anybody else. You know, get rid of the guys in our own fan base who do problems that are going to ha- cost you and this game cost you points from the court, all right? Throw their ass out. That's, it's that simple, and that should be the end of it. I, I just – the sanctimonious attitude about this from people is just what drives me insane. It's not a good look, but you can't do anything about it but toss the people responsible and play the game. What I, and here's the truth of the matter. The restraint tech players showed should be commended to an extreme degree. I wanted them to go after Brock. I wanted them to go after Brock Cunningham, right? Like, protect your guy. That, that was horseshit. And he, they, if the benches had emptied and this turned into a brawl, I would have nodded and said, just go get a punch in for me. Like, that's my two cents on it. So I'm the worst purveyor of, like, what's appropriate in these moments. But when it comes to fan behavior, when someone does something bad, throw them out and move on. Because they're never going to like you. They're just, they're never going to like us. They just aren't. You know, don't ruin it for other tech fans in the venue, right? Like, we cost our team points on the court. That's what matters. I don't care about how we look outside of that. Don't ruin the experience for people. Don't – well, I will say this. You mentioned the vapes. I've sat behind people who have vaped at sporting events, and that is the most goddamn frustrating thing on earth, why anyone thinks that's okay. I was sitting um, – went to Austin to watch the game. There was a group of – they weren't college students, but they were early 20s. So probably fresh out of college. There were a couple of tech students, a couple of Texas buddies clearly had gone out to watch the game together. They're enjoying the game, and they all were ripping vapes the entire time. And we're way the hell up high, so I think this is why they thought this was fine. But it's still, it was crowded. That whole stadium was full. And I remember thinking, like, this is the most obnoxious thing you could ever do. Just don't, if there's anybody up here who is a vape fiend who listens to us, don't do it at games. Take two, if you can't make it three hours without vaping, You've got a serious problem and you should reevaluate your life choices and get help because don't do that game. It's inconsiderate. Don't ruin the experience for other people. Right. Don't hurt 100%. your team on the field. <sighs> you know, I, I, I've been doing this for years with social media and stuff. This was one of the wilder events that have happened. Um, and a rivalry that's had plenty of them, but it, it will always be funny to me like the least impactful player the guy who cost texas more games than anything else 
is going to be remembered fondly by Texas fans for doing like a stupid thing that all that almost let Tech get back into this game. So you know, goes to show Texas fans don't know fucking basketball if it shot him in the face. So look, everything else aside, it was a bad loss, and that you have some get right games though. Let's really briefly touch on this. Um, you got West Virginia next. Uh, you have to go to Morgantown, which is the only real concern in this game. Joe, is there anything about West Virginia that really worries you? Nothing really. I mean, they, they're a good basketball team when they want to be, and that's very they're not they're not that team. They just haven't been right. Them they had that player out there that, you know, didn't get his waiver until later on in into the actual season who who's been an up and down player. He's a good player. So it depends on kind of where he's at in the game. But I mean, if you're able to rebound for rebound, because this team isn't going to give you a huge height disparity, like you've seen in some of these last few games. So our bigs will even without Warren will be matched up with their bigs and they'll be toe to toe. It'll be right around the same, but it all comes down to rebounding and guard play and just being prepared. Obviously, I would assume that Coach McCaslin has preached this and the coaching staff has preached this going into this game. You have all this time before this game to get ready. Go get ready. Right the ship. Finish the year off strong. Go into the Big 12 tournament. Get into the NCAA tournament, and we'll kind of go from there. But there's nothing really on this team, on this West Virginia team, that actually scares me itself. But like I said, it's it's a long haul to get to Morgantown, um, flight in, <clears throat> plus a drive. It's it's terrible. I'm sure the weather's not going to be ideal on that side, given what's going on. So it's going to be a tough track. But this team, without Warren, is more than capable of winning. But like I said, you just have to be fully prepared in this game. Yeah, I, like I said, the only thing I'm worried about is, like, it, it's just tricky. To, Morgantown's hard to get to. It's an underrated venue for any sport because of that. It is hard on away teams. Um, I'm betting the crowd's going to be pretty much non-existent. They're that bad. But still, it's not fun to go play in Morgantown. Um, you know, this is a program that's collapsed. You know, they're trying to rebuild after all the bog-hugging shenanigans, all the player shenanigans. They're bad, and I, I can't be bothered to be concerned. If you lose this game, you've got much, much, much more serious problems than uh, we even think. If Warren Washington can't go, I think it will be a little dicey um, just because in a team that can't rebound is always going to have more trouble than it's worth. But as long as you play your basketball, protect the ball, sh- and shoot at, a, at an all-reasonable clip, you'll get out of this one, and then you'll have uh, – uh, uh, Oklahoma State to follow before closing with Baylor and both these next two should be pretty I'm gonna, not going to say easy because this is the Big 12 and any any team can get you but they should be wins that you should feel comfortable getting uh, before you close the year with a with a game against Baylor which will be a battle um, even if the Bears aren't quite as good as they would like to be it's still going to be a battle to get past Baylor so you need to get this done in these two games you win these two games you lock up your NCAA tournament eligibility you try to get past Baylor, maybe win one in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, the format of that, I, I've seen. I don't know where you're going to end up right now. I think you're going to get the first buy, probably not the second buy. So, uh, you know, it's – it's it's uh, you, you just don't want to be coming down the stretch if you're really worrying, and you are a bit. But thankfully, you've got these two games to get it done. Um, you get 21 wins. If you miss the NCAA tournament as a 21-win Big 12 team, you just got hosed. So I would like to think – um, you can do it. Win all three, and it's, it, there is no chance at all. It becomes a 0% chance you get left out. So that's the most ideal scenario. But, you know, take care of business where you can, win the games you're supposed to. This was one of them that I thought you should have won. And, you know, you, you just played so bad, so it's hard to take any of these for granted. But at least you have a chance for a get-right against West Virginia and another against Oklahoma State. Uh, let's talk now about baseball briefly. I mentioned there's been some changes to our rotation. Um we were actually talking about this pre-show. Texas is the first game of the, the, the baseball season coming up. So Jack and Joe will likely have some more um, content regarding where baseball stands as we finish up non-conference. They have three against Gardner-Webb, and then I believe one against New Mexico before the Longhorns. Uh, I, I actually hate playing Texas first uh, to open Big 12 play. I think that sucks. you got two Big 12 competitors starting off. 
um, when the teams are still more or less settling into the year. It's still very early in the baseball season. But, you know, that's life. Both teams are in the same boat. So they'll have some previewing coverage about that. But let's talk about it. Um, been a big change in the rotation. Zane Petty, who has given up a, a surprising 7.94 ERA. Uh, he's been replaced by Mac Hewer. And Saturday, Kyle Robinson leads off. And Friday, he's been your stud. Hewer's had a great year as well. We've only given up 3.3 earned runs. The Sunday, Jack Washburn spot, he's he's 1-0 with a 7.56 ERA. Not great numbers, to be frank, and for your Sunday spot. But as always, it's hardest to find a good, reliable Sunday starter and keep your pen um, active Sunday. So that's always the game you're kind of leaning the most on your offense for most teams. Uh, just because, you know, in college baseball, there are, there are not that many teams who have tr- three true lockdown starters. And having lost some of the guys we lost this offseason, um, including he who shall not be named, who's tearing it up at Arkansas, it's not shocking that Tech is still sorting out like a third true starter. But Zane Petty's probably the most surprising change here, Joe. Um, I believe you mentioned you and Jack have kind of been wondering about the leash on these players. Are you shocked to see the move get made now uh, with Gardner Webb up to see him lose his starting spot? Absolutely not. Um, I believe some of these leashes may be a little bit shorter on certain players. Um, And me and Jack kind of touched on that, you know, and even we threw, um, we threw um, who else? Gavin Cash into that mix, you know, with some of these, these other players, you know, having their run being more effective at the plate as opposed to Gavin. But I think as we said, Gavin's kind of been, he's earned that spot. And I think he's, been given more leash than Zane Petty. Zane Petty's just struggled finding the strike zone. A lot of walks allowed, a lot of solid contact given up. I mean, there's been flashes where he's been a bright spot in this rotation, but we had kind of mentioned in previous podcasts where we thought if it was going to be a change, it would be Washburn moving up to your Saturday and then Sunday would be the one that could kind of have a little bit more flexibility in it. Um, with um, Robinson already solidifying that Friday that Friday spot, so I'm not I'm not overly surprised here because you have four four games remaining before you start conference play. So Coach Tadlock's probably looking at to see if if you are as ready as a freshman to be prepared to go up a, against a lineup like Texas in about a week when they play here in in Lubbock. So I think it's. I have guys out there. Let's let's see what we have with these guys. Let's throw them out there to start and see what we have. Mac, you're a huge kid, 6'5", 265, a very, very solid arm. So let's just see what he's going to do whenever is whenever he's given that opportunity. So I think this isn't super shocking, or at least not for me, um, given the circumstances of how close you're already getting to conference play, you kind of want to at least have your one and two um, date, your Friday and Saturday starters locked in with that flexibility on Sunday. So this, like I said, this isn't a huge shock for me. Yeah, I, I think this is actually kind of a great time to do it too. Like you mentioned, you're trying to figure out like how are you going to approach Texas, right? Like that's the thought process. I don't say you can't overlook anybody in baseball. Case in point, what was it like a uh, Purdue Fort Wayne knocked off? Who was it like last week? You know, a top fifteen team, and it, you can lose a lot of games you should in baseball if you don't take things seriously. But you should expect to comfortably crush Garter Webb. And that means like you're starting to think about that next series the next week. And that means you, it, it's, it's a, your last real chance is also to experiment with something. You know, you're going to have midweek games where historically Tad Luck has trotted guys in and out and kind of tested his, his, uh, his reserves. I mean, we, we all saw all con- I mean, like the, just being the, 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 the metaphorical clown car of different players he shoved into midweek opportunities. I don't mean that to sound like net derogatory. I just mean the sheer number of guys he's going to give looks at midweeks um, to see if he can find, you know, a third true starter for weekends or a more reliable pen option. You know, he, that's all you can do going forward. This is your last chance in a weekend series to get it going before Texas. So it's not shocking you pull the trigger. And like you mentioned um, as well, you know, the, you're not in a point of the year where like, you're just want to throw away games, you know, like you're, you're trying to, uh, 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 to win every game obviously, but like, this isn't like that first opening in globe life, you know, you're, conference play is here there's no more time to be playing uh, uh, uh 
fast and loose. So when a pitcher gets in trouble, you got to get him out. And, you know, Petty, unfortunately, has not performed to snuff stuff. I think it's been a bit shocking. You know, there's a reason why he was your day two starter from the jump. I think everybody was expecting to see him perform very well. Um, but, you know, it may be time for him to get retired to the midweek. He might move there and try to get his stuff back and then come back to the weekend. Or he might – So look, it happens every year. There are pitchers who just for some reason – function better coming out of the pen you know that could be a better role for him you know like you 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 always the best tech pitching staffs have had guys that they could call up out of the pen with a reliability um i'm I'm blanking on some of the names in the last few years but we all if i think about it for too long i'll remember but keep it moving along but we all know the names of guys who just they came up straight out of the pen and they were never starters but they could give you consistently three strong innings or get an outright save. And that, that may be something he, he plays around with using Petty for, um, you know, right now it's still too early to tell what this pen is really capable of. You put up a ton of offense against Texas Southern, but you did give up a, a decent number of runs and, 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 and return the different, of course, I would say with, uh, without question, like Dan law is kind of a Mickey mouse ballpark. I know tech fans try to deny this, but let's be clear here. It's kind of a joke how easy it is to knock the ball out of the yard. Um, the ballpark plays very offensively friendly. So it's not shocking that your pitching staff can't pitch lights out there. Um, but it, and I say that as well, it needs to be expanded by like 2000 seats before I really start to think it can be taken seriously as like a great baseball venue. Um, so hopefully they get on that as they continue to renovate different facilities for baseball. Hopefully they can find a way to, to expand comfortably. I know it's gets crammed in a bad spot on campus, so I don't know how you do that, but hopefully they can figure it out. But overall, like, you know, it's, it's the time of year where, um, your pitchers are freshest. Uh, you're still sorting things out with your lineup, with your pitching staff, and this is the last opportunity to do it. Um, you know, Joe, I'm going to let you and Jack really touch more on baseball, but the last thought I wanted to get from you is, to date, has the season kind of gone how you thought it would go? I think we are. I think we're exactly kind of where we need to be. We were competitive against Tennessee. We were semi-competitive there against Oregon State, and those are two top 10 baseball baseball schools who are planning on postseason from each, you know, respective conference, Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac and the SEC. So you you go against some top-tier talent, and you're able to hang around. Obviously, you some of the balls didn't go your way. You weren't able to get a hit here or there, just not enough there in the tank. But it was still early on in the season. And then you go out and you win those games that – that you're supposed to win the Texas Southern offensive outburst. I don't think really anybody predicted it to be like that, but if it got, if it was able to get more people right on the offensive side, then I'm all for it. You know, you have your Pompey, you have your Bravo, you have your green, you have these guys just absolutely destroying the ball right now and seeing it so well. So where this team sits at right now with the two losses to two top 10 teams, I think you could feel very comfortable right now. You go ahead and you do sweep the next four going into the Texas series only with two losses on the books. I think that's that should be you could be okay with that. You'd like to have one or one of those wins against the top 10 team, but the Tennessee game was super against their ace stud and you hung around for a while. And Oregon State, you just couldn't get the hits when you needed it. So I think as a Tech baseball fan or a Tech fan in general watching this baseball team, this is something you you could live with going into the the next couple of games before conference play starts. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you'd mentioned, I think, the biggest highlight. You took on one of the all-time, you know, best pitchers of this season, right, in Tennessee's stud ace. And realistically, in a ballpark that you have historically not hit the ball well in it anyways – you performed very well. You know, you were in that game start to finish. Um, I think really one inning kind of got away from you, and that allowed Tennessee to put kind of take control of the game. But, you know, in, in a series, the Tadlock has never taken that seriously to try to get wins. He's always used it as experimenting. You played good opponents, got good wins, and hung around tough with really good baseball teams. Um, I don't know yet. It's still way too early to know where Tech is actually in the, the true hierarchy of baseball. Texas is going to be a great test for you to figure that out. Um, but I, I, I've been at least assuaged of any early concerns that the team might not live up to any expectation. 
this team looks like it can is so far looks like the team that can get you back to Omaha, which is where Tadlock wants to get his guys back to um, in a big way. And it looks like a team that can be very competitive in Big 12 play. You know, the conference is not overall that dominant in baseball. Um, so it's always up for grabs if you can just put together a strong uh, season. So I, I, I want you to be in the fight of that. If you're in the thick of that, comfortably in the regional and so on, then you can go from there. And it looks like this team is well on its way to do so. Now, let's just close up with some news on the Combine, some of the news that have come out of it. Let's start with Miles Cole. Miles Cole kind of shook some people up with his pretty wild measurables, all things considered. He had a 4.6940. And Miles Cole is a big boy, 278, 6'6. Um, he's putting up numbers that are, I think, helping his draft stock immensely. Uh, had a 35-inch vertical and broad jump 10-0. Um, he was on, I, if you read Bruce Feldman's freaks list, he was number 24 on the list already. I think he would have moved up if it happened after the combine. Great results from him. Joe, uh, how would you feel seeing Miles Cole perform so well in the combine? kind of wish I got a sample of that during the actual season this last year. I mean, kind of feel like we kind of got jibbed. But, you know, those those measurables that you're talking about, you know I mean, those just you're just a freakishly huge human. And if you've ever been around Tyree Wilson, Tyree Wilson is that same kind of body type. And Miles Cole was just is was bigger than him standing side by side. So um, it's great for him. Great for the program. Get another Texas Tech guy on the map, making an impact at the NFL Combine, and you know another solid defensive player potentially to get drafted into the NFL. So it it was really good for him to succeed. I know he had opted out of that game to prep for this Combine and all the workouts, and it's really looked like it's paid off for him. So. Uh, much credit to Miles and his work work ethic going into this, and it looks like he's you know climbing up some of those draft boards. I think you said it best there. It, it is a little unfortunate we just didn't get a lot out of Miles Cole this past season. Um, you know, the pass rush for this team never really materialized. He he was adjusting to a new position the entire year. It was apparent he was never that comfortable doing what they're asking him to do. But like you said, he is just a freak of an athlete, a big human being, um, and that'll I think end up paying dividends in the NFL once he gets once he gets drafted and has the ability to play for a staff that's really going to put him where he's most comfortable. I think, and that's not an indictment of Joey McGuire's defensive staff. I think they had to put him where they put him. It just didn't work. It didn't work out that great. And it is a little uh, bittersweet to see him have such a big uh, uh, draft combine performance. And, you know, obviously all the woes for the defensive line in general are pretty well regarded uh, considering we just got nothing out of any edge pressure. Um, other news out of the combine before we move on to our final topic of the show and close out, uh, Tyler Owens had what is legitimately the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, well, I don't believe in space or other planets and stars. Look, all I'm going to say on this matter is he went to Texas first and he was there longer. So, uh, uh, hopefully someone can show Tyler, I guess the sky at night. I, I, I really, I don't know what you do to convince somebody of that shit. I, I, just next level dumb, next level dumb. So I'm going to blame Texas for that one. Um, but the last topic I want to touch on before we close out is the women's basketball team. Joe, we talked briefly about this a, a week or so ago, and I would like to do the same. Another night, another blowout. The season's completely gone off the rails. They will be missing the tournament. Um, at this point, is it a guarantee that Gurlick's out the door? I don't know. I I firmly think. I mean, she has a, a I mean, it, she has a losing record. I mean, it's the the last couple of games have been have been bad. Well, with with the exception of the Texas game um, a little bit over a week ago now where they fought their asses off and, you know, that whole no moral victory kind of deals get thrown out there. But I mean, it's it's really it's very, very tough for me to be persuaded into thinking that she's going to actually stay the women's head coach now i i i don't know i i i think it's i think it's time i think it's i really think it's time to to go ahead and and just you know start all over but you know who knows we've done dumber things as as a university with some of our coaching coaching situations in the past so i mean if she stays another year it wouldn't surprise me but i i really do think that it's it's time for this 
little project um, to, to, you know, go find a new home. And for this, for us to get somebody in here who wasn't necessarily affiliated with Texas Tech previously in here and see if we could get this, this program right. So honestly, I, I think it's, it's split down the middle 50, 50. Me personally, I don't think she deserves another year, but you know, I honestly think that it's possible that we do give her one more year. Her contract's the problem. They they gave her a big contract. It's a long one. I think it's ten years. Um, it, it it's a lot of money to spend on a program that's been in trouble for so long. You know, like it, it's one thing if you're, you know, UConn basketball or, or Tennessee basketball or some of these programs with history and a lot of winning where they just win all the time and one coach comes in and struggles, so you quickly pull the trigger and get them out no matter what their contract says because the money and the fan support's there. This program sucked ass for so long. There just isn't a lot of, I think, an institutional motivation to make significant changes when there needs to be. Here's what I'll say. Krista Gerlich, by all accounts, is one of the nicest women you'll ever meet, um, does a good job trying to recruit, does a good job engaging with the community, is well-loved by the people who follow the program very closely. Um, it really has done her best, I think, to try to build energy for around the program, but she just doesn't get it done. You've had great talent on the floor, and they haven't won with it. And uh, look, injuries happen, but we fired Kingsbury when injuries disrailed his best team. His last team, Kingsbury's last team, was a good football team. And if you don't lose two quarterbacks, you probably end up winning eight games with that team. And we fired Cliff anyways. So I, I, injuries aren't an excuse this long into your tenure. All I can say is, um, you know, it's it's just not acceptable for the the only program in tech that has, I think, a real claim to having some real history behind it with a national championship outside of track. And, you know, it's it's tough to see what's happened to it, and I'm tired of them losing. And they're not competitive in most games anymore. Like, that's the biggest thing. I was hoping this year, if they weren't great, at least they'd be competitive. They're just not competitive. Again, injuries are a huge factor in what's going on this season. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not all right to be this far into your tenure and have nothing to show for it. You mentioned that she's got a losing record overall. They've had no success. I don't, they have not made the tournament um, their best win their best performance again. And I, I always harp on this. We got really hyped that they were like kind of good in the NIT didn't win the NIT didn't make it to the final of the NIT, but we're like in the semis. So that's cool, I guess. And, and the NIT in the women's game is just really not what it is on the men's game, which is saying something because it ain't great on the men's side either. So, you know, it's just overall, there's just nothing to show for it. You're not winning big games. You're not getting the fans to show up because you're not winning or competitive in big games. Um, it's just time. And I think, I think that the only thing that'll save her if they decide to give her another year is I know there's been buzz about the recruits around the program, as well as just her contract language, I think will make it tricky for Hoka to want to make the move. And this is something I've always thought about Hoka. Hoka doesn't give a shit about the women's athletic department. He just doesn't. That's been proven with all the crap that's happened. So the fact that he, he would let her coast wouldn't shock me. Um, I mean, he let the last one coast forever before he finally pulled the trigger, and they were even worse. So maybe he'll hope for one more year to turn it around. But it's been disheartening to see that program just completely fall off the rails. And it's st- after a start, granted, start was against the deaf, dumb, blind, and poor, but it looked like they might finally be ready to be a, a serious basketball team in the Big 12, the fight for a bubble spot, get the tournament, have some fun. But once again, we would not be seeing our Lady Raiders in the basketball tournament barring a Big 12 tournament win, which just does not seem likely. Um, considering who sits atop the conference at the moment with Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor um, controlling the top spots. So that'll bring us to the end of our show. Like I said, be on the lookout for some baseball content with conference play starting next week against Texas. We'll also have some more basketball content next week for you as well. As always, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on whatever major podcasting platform. Feel free to DM us, uh, drop a line in the comments on Twitter, whatever you want to do. If you want us to talk about certain topics, have some criticism, fair or unfair. Uh, Maybe you have a really strong opinion about Joe's favorite burger place you'd love to share. Um, If you haven't been following on Twitter, that's been fun to do. So give, feel free. I'll take take anybody to the bank with that. I even offered, hey, if you want me to go prove you wrong, I'll go buy you lunch too if you don't think it's the best burger in Lubbock, Texas. So I stand by those words. So wreck burgers is the place to be here in in town it's a new spot so i would definitely go give them a shot a shout and also one other thing that we didn't touch on and i know it's that's vague as, as far as what actually happened but um prayers go out our thoughts and prayers go out to brady trembello the pitcher from 
from Texas Tech who was injured in a practice, um, had some kind of surgery. Nobody kind of knows the extent of the injury or what happened, but he is a pitcher. I'm not going to speculate on what happened, but I'm assuming just based on purely being around baseball that it may have dealt with his head area and a baseball. And those are never good things, but glad that he was able to pull through whatever injury it was and hope for a speedy recovery for him. You know, just want to throw that out there. And yeah, I will say on that topic, if you do happen to hear what happened, I know that some people know, and I've seen batted around different theories and rumors. Um, Look, if you are, for some reason, uh, you do happen to have the information about what happened, don't release it. Don't talk about it publicly. Um, The real reason is for no other reason than the family has not given anybody permission to talk about this, nor has the program. And it's just kind of it's it's not like you're trying to be mean spirited, but it's trying to get yourself out there with some information that others want um, at the expense of a kid's medical privacy. So just don't do it. You know, it it, look, you can kind of guess what probably happened here. But until there's actual documentation, number one, don't publicly speculate, especially if you happen to have any sort of Twitter presence um, about what happened, because it, it, it could be more if you're wrong and you you could be scaring people or you could be upsetting the family reading about this. Um, people want to talk. Don't talk about things like recovery time for presumed injuries, any of this stuff. It's just being polite. Um, but of course, our thoughts and prayers go out to him. It's terrible news. I hope he I hope. Hopefully, whatever happened is not a long-term injury and one he can battle back from and get back to playing the game he loves or just be, you know, if depending on the severity, just be a happy-go-lucky college kid again. You know, it, it's, it's always a risk in baseball and any sport for these kinds of injuries that can really just change people's lives. So hopefully whatever ended, actually did happen, it is not one that, you know, is, ends in tragedy for him or really shakes up how he chooses to live his life. So thoughts and prayers with the family. They'll release what happened when they're ready. Like, the story's not going to be a secret forever. So if you're, like, really that curious and digging around, just wait. The school is going to talk about what happened at some point. There's no chance they don't. Don't try to be first. It's not even a journalistic ethic thing. It's just being basic human being and being decent. So, again, you know the line. We all know it. Just be, just be a good person. Not hard. Uh, but, yeah, that, that'll close our show. Thank you guys for listening. Reckham, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the baseball season. Um, if you have any tech news you'd like us to cover, anything, any topic you'd ever like us to reach out for, feel free to drop us a line. You can reach us all individually on Twitter. Though I don't use my personal account, Joe is very active on his, as are Jack and Kendall. So they're probably the easiest guys to reach as well as Chris. Um, but you can always reach us at the main account if you need to, to let us know what your thoughts are. Even if you just wanted to call us names. I think that's yeah. funny. Feel free to reach yeah. out. I we, look ha- for we, have, we have an email out there as well. So if you don't feel right putting it on social media, cottonclubcrew1 at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a line here or there, we'll answer it there. So just, you know, anybody out there, just feel free to reach out. We're here to listen. We do this because we love to do this. So, um, we're ready, you know, we support tech and that's what we do. And as always, my name is Macon. I was joined by my good friend and co-host Joe. We'll be talking to you guys soon. You're going to hear a lot more content from us as we close the show. Reckham guys, enjoy your weekend. I know that there's some snowstorms in Lubbock, so stay safe, avoid those wildfires. And if you're affected by those fires, my heart it truly goes out to you as well. So be safe out there, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the last couple of weeks of regular season basketball and the start of Big 12 conference play right around the corner for baseball.